Welcome to Even Iron Podcast number 64. This is part two of uh, this, week's, uh, this week's episode. So I've got Aaron Fennell on here, and Aaron and I went to a uh, an auction, local auction, consignment auction here, and they had several dispersals on there that they were getting rid of, uh, some, some guys that were retiring, some guys that were getting out of business, so on and so forth. But what I want to talk about, and because it's kind of something that's been striking me here of late, is is how the late model... The late model pre-def units and and how that are low hour and how they've been selling so aaron welcome to the show bud get me on brother all right so but let's let's throw that all in the trash and let's talk about the value of donkey forklifts yeah they we actually figured out what those were they sold what how many how many they sell four three three yeah so they had a good one an old good one and one with a bad transmission right one bad transmission. It was just for parts. They were selling it for parts. Right. And then they had, of course, then they had all the uh, the array of, of donkey attachments that you can imagine. Someone was trying to pin the tail on the donkey there for a while, it seemed like. But <clears throat> but overall, it was uh, it was a very, I never, I've never watched a donkey sell before. So I was, I was excited. <laughs> all right. So we watched. We've been watching these auctions now for the last couple months here since the beginning of the year, and we've watched several pre-def, low-houred, um, early model machine sales, starting with that 80, whatever it was, that sold uh, on that sold and sold for 100000 bucks. What was that? An 80? 8400 Maryland? Maryland, yeah. The guy was from Maryland, but I think it was it, the machine was whatever. He was someplace, but we watched that one sell for 100000 bucks, and it had uh, a couple thousand hours on it maybe. Yeah, ish. Something like that. Okay, then we watched, there was a 9770 that sold about three weeks ago. <clears throat> that had, <laughs> yeah. that sold for 100000 bucks. And then we watched an 8130 sale at this last sale here in Brush that had 900 hours on it or something like that. Yeah. Right around there. And it sold for 137.5 or something like that. 132. So, 132, okay. So, there is getting to be a precedence here of these late model or early model machines that were pre-def that guys really seem to be lining up to buy. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, I think there is some of that. And, you know, the whole thing to me is funny because within our AOR, which is so big it could be a large size state on its own, we've had virtually no trouble with this. Right. Um, you know, and that's one thing is I sell late model, low hour stuff all over the country to guys that, you know, if they don't have a death machine, that's always their big question is, well, what do I got to worry about with this death? And, you know, it all comes down to, I've talked to numerous people across the country, and it all comes down to do not let the death tank run out, or you'll be putting a pump in, and then... Once you put that pump in, you do it again and again and again. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's a lot of fear tactics with DEF, and ironically enough, I think DEF works better in the farm machinery than it does in the in the uh, pickups and trucks. But it is an issue, and it's driving up the older, clean, low-hour stuff. Yeah, that's the thing too about DEF. It's not like it's something new. You know, this is, right. what is this, the fifth year of death coming up? 
15, I guess third year. 15 was the first, like, full-blown Final Tier 4. The whole Final Tier 4 thing. So, um, but on the deer side, but if you look at the, like, the case side of the business, and they've been using, they've been using death fuel since entering Tier 4 engines. Right. Agtos had death even before CNH did. They, they had death, like, in 1983, so. Right. Yeah, they, they, uh. Early adopters is what they were. So, yeah. um, we were putting on urea, and the hose came loose and shot in the engine, and we had no smoke. <laughs> yeah, they had a. So let's talk about that a little bit here. So here, the, here we're looking at these machines where I'm watching them. So I'm I'm wondering how how in the world they're gonna like. For example, we'll use that 9770 for example, and that is a an extreme example. And I'm I'm not gonna pretend like it's not because it is, but. But someone bought a 97 Sunday for 180,000 bucks, okay? You could probably buy a three-year-old 9770, four-year-old for sure, or S670, I'm sorry, for with those kind of hours on it for that same amount of money, right? So you're going to be... Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, have, I have combines with less hours, more specs that are... Less hours, more specs, and our 2014s. Right. For that money or less. Yeah. So what do you, what's driving that marketplace? What's driving guys to go do something like that? I mean, I know someone probably got in the heat of the moment, got all jacked up and fired up, and like I'm buying that combine today no matter what. But why why would they go out and spend worst case scenario forty fifty thousand dollars more? And they could buy that combine from any dealer in the United States. Well, that combine's a real bad example. I have no logical explanation for that machine. And that's that's what I've been racking my brain about that for the last three weeks. Like, wh- what? Right. What? I, you know, instead of that machine, I would look at the numerous, say, eleven model, um. 9770s I know of that have sold around the country. Okay, let's talk about those. 800 to 800 to 1,000 separator hours uh-huh. set up right. 132, 135. Okay. You know, 130 to 140 all day, all the time. Yeah. And you can buy, you know, a, almost buy a 13 S670 similar, similar, similarly equipped. Um, similar hours for the same price. Right. I think what's driving that is there was a lot of, as we've talked about before, the the S series combines maybe came out a year too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and the twelve scared a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now the guy buying that that combine. Um, he has a 60 now, or he has a really high hour 70. Right. And he's not, he just doesn't want an S. You know, back in back in May of 2012, he heard how a couple nightmare stories of, you know, the first ones that were out that were on the Harvest Run in Texas. Right. Well, they were cutting wheat down at Waco and such and such happened. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's. I think, I think that's driving it. I think the, you know, I can't say it's a death thing really because there is, you know, you got three years of combine before death, mm-hmm. and 
above that. I don't know that it's an electronic thing because there's not that much more electronics on an S versus a 70. Um, I, I think the driving factor on them combine things is quite simply the 70 series combine mm -hmm. was just one hell of a machine. Right. It really was. And it's, it's simple. It's got enough creature comforts. So you can run the thing all day. It's got enough capacity that you're not sacrificing anything. Um, they're fairly simple. They look good. Um, you know, they're just kind of, they kind of had it figured out then, man. And I think that might be part of the driving factor on that. Well, it's like any series of machine. The, the last two years of that, of that series, whether it's a 10 or 11, they, they had it dialed in. You know what I mean? Like they, all the product, oh, all the product improvements from 2008, you know, all the way through had, have when they got to that final stage, they had it dialed in. You know I mean? They had, right. they had a pretty well, you know, and then they improved a few things here and there and along the way. But so do you think it's a bank for your buck thing? Is that what they're doing? Is that what they're looking at? Like I can go get this one over here that's got whatever and with these number of hours compared to this one over here that's got this number of hours and I can say, all right, so I'll buy this unicorn over here and I'll pay out the nose for it when I can get, you know, 2012, you know how many, I think they made one combine for every American. Right. Uh, in that, in 12 and 13, so I yeah. think. Thank you, $7 corn. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, here's a, here's your 40 acres in a combine. Hope you enjoy it, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're going to still have a tax problem. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So. No, on, on combines, Casey, I really can't, I really can't pin it down other than the fact that the guys that are buying that, they, they just want a simple machine. They right. really do. Um. Conversely, I've had two guys I've sold S670s to stretched out across the country that were 60 series owners, right? Okay. And they wanted, I take that back, one had a 50 series and one had a 60. Both of those guys were, were, uh, were drinking from the well of, I want a really low-houred 70 series. I want a really low-houred 70 series. Till we start talking and I show them, you know, hey, you can get this 14, 670 for a little bit more and it's got more stuff on it. Oh, yeah, that makes way more sense. <laughs> you know, right. so I think that's the deal with that. Now on tractors. Okay. I think, you know, I can remember, and it, and it depends where you're at. I know us within our own AOR, the 20 series. We, we struggle with it. We've struggled with it for five, six years now. Um, we struggled with 30 series a couple of years ago as, and I think that was as the eight, eight R's, you know, the flood of, just the flood of used equipment drove eight R's lower, 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 lower. And that had a really strong impact on 30s because guys were not yet trading for 30s as an older used tractor. Mm -hmm. They were putting premium in them, basically putting our money in a 30. The 30s sit around, don't move, don't move, you know, got to dump it, lose money, whatever. Right. Now, that 30 series tractor, if it's set up right, or if it's, you know, if it's a, 
you know, even up to 9,000 hours. If it is set up right, good rubber, all that, guys want that tractor. Right. And if it's a low-hour machine, it's super, super hot. Um, there's the, and that market is completely driven by lack of emissions, okay? Absolutely, yeah. Now, if you got a first-gen 8R, it's the same tractor with a bigger, fancier cab. Same exact machine. Right. But they're, they only made those tractors one year, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's not very many of those around. There's way more 11s and 12s, which have the diesel particulate filter on them. And although that's a pretty trouble-free device, it's, a, you know, guys, I don't want that filter. I don't want that filter. I don't want death. You know, I wish I could buy a new 4850. It's, it's that market that's really driving those tractors. And, and quite honestly, a lot of those tractors that I myself have sold have been to, besides dealers buying them, um, have been to outfits that have been to outfits that uh, have have newer equipment. They just want that third, fourth tractor that's easy to you know that they don't have to worry about that stuff with. Right. <clears throat> right now, your FaceTime is on pause. I can still hear you fine. Ah, oh, you are. There you come back. Look at you. There you are. Oh. <laughs> um, so, one thing that I've, I've kind of back to your point where, I, you know, the guy wants a new 4850 type style tractor. Obviously, the guys that are looking for those are looking, you know, they're, they're trying to upgrade their fleet to the same, to a, to a model they feel comfortable with, but with the least number of hours they have, and they're paying for it. So that 8130, for example, that we watched yesterday at, or not yesterday, Wednesday down at, at Brush, that sold for what I would consider to be pretty strong retail money at 1325. Oh. You know what I mean? I mean, no, I don't know that if we would ask, if we'd have been in that range on our lot, that we would have a hard time selling it. I don't think we'd have too many takers at that point. Um, like that. No, I don't, you know, I, I would agree with that. The thing that, you know, it, it was a tractor for 900 hours. The rubber wasn't like new. Um, it was ILS power shift. Right. With, which in that era of tractor is ideal because the guys want the ILS front end. Mm-hmm. And that market, if, if that's going to be the main tractor, those guys are not necessarily IBT fans. Right. Um, so it was kind of the perfect storm of machine. But you're right, at 132, I bet I'm in only 900 hours, but I think if we were to park that thing on the lot and ask 135, you'd get a whole lot of, oh, man, you guys are crazy. It's just an 8130. Yeah. But it brought 132 at an auction and didn't have any trouble getting there. Yeah. Well, that also, well, you also take a look at what it was. Compared to some of the other stuff that sold, and I mean, it, it was probably the of all the tractors that were there. I'm trying to think here, but there were newer tractors that sold for less that had the same number of hours on them. Yeah, yeah, there was there was uh, some early. There was a couple early R's mm-hmm. similar hours that 
actually brought less. Yep. So that makes you instant point, same size, yep. same horsepower, um, better equipped. Yep. And, and brought less. Yep. So that tells me that there is a driving factor when it comes to the death thing. Now, I will say that there was an issue with some of the with some of the R's that were there that they had the seven R that they had there. Um, he spelled it all out as being very open and honest with it. Basically, it was a money-back guarantee if it didn't work, you know, and they couldn't get it figured out, so on and so forth. But that that may have scared some people off, too, is that I won't, I don't want to mess with this thing type of deal. And Yeah, especially in that, in that market right. where, where that buyer wasn't necessarily there anyway. Mm-hmm. The 8130 buyer was there. Right. And you start rattling off that, well, this has a steering, blah, blah, blah. It's guaranteed to get fixed to the local deer dealer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that guy that might have thought about that tractor, but he really wanted that 8130, instantly went, see, that's why I'm not buying that damn tractor. Right, yeah. So I don't know that they did themselves any favors there, but I, I will say that I was, I was you know, really shocked that that 8130, and it wasn't a late model eighty one thirty either. I mean, it was uh, six or seven, wasn't it? I don't remember. Anyway. Uh yeah, seven or eight. Yeah. So it was an early model one. I mean, it wasn't. It like, was an oh six, oh seven, oh eight, or oh nine. Well, that's a good way to narrow it down. That was a good job. <laughs> I mean, you did good there, narrowing that down. But I think, you know, I watch this stuff happen, and I watch these sales, and I watch this stuff come up, and it tells me that there is a generation of guys that are trying to come in either younger generation that are trying to come in and get a a machine they feel comfortable around that's maybe they grew up on a tractor like that you know because if it's if it's an 06 07 08 09 30 series tractor right well if the guy's just starting out farming he's 30 years old you think about that he he that tractor might have been on his grandpa's place or his dad's place something like that when he was 18, 19 years old, and he was, you know, coming, kind of coming into that to into his mid-20s, you know, and drove that tractor new, and he feels comfortable with it. Oh, there's one over there with 800 hours. I know how to run that tractor. I don't have to mess with anything. And then I'm going to try to, you know, get it for a for a bargain, and he ends up paying out the nose for it. Yeah, you there know? might be some of that. <laughs> you know, and honestly, with, with the unicorn status of that tractor and seeing some of the crazy things happen across this country on unicorns i you know i told you that day i wouldn't be a bit surprised if that thing brought 150 yeah no i think so if it wouldn't have been raining and people wouldn't have left i imagine that there probably would have been a few more buyers there that went that might have jumped in on it yeah you know you know what i'm saying they might have i don't know but at 132.5 I mean, you're really not that far away from from banging that 140 number. I would have taken those one or two more guys to be in there bidding on that to get that 140 number pretty easy. Right. So, well, uh, you know, and of the things that were there, what surprised me more than that probably, because, you know, like I said, I could have seen that thing brought 150 and wouldn't have been, I would have laughed, but I wouldn't have been, you know, fall over in shock. Mm-hmm. They had an 8320 there. With 4,000 hours, 4,500 hours, um, just a straight axle, not a lot of weight on it, decent tractor, average to above average, not a showroom rig, 50% rubber, 
Um, and that thing brought in the mid nineties, in the mid nineties for a twenty yeah. series tractor. Yeah. And it wasn't a fifteen hundred hour tractor. It was forty five hundred hours. Right. It was at that maybe I need to start. That, well, that, yeah. is, that was probably the biggest what in the hell of that whole auction. Yeah. Yep. That was one, too, where, you know, you got guys sitting there talking about looking at the different stuff that they're, that they're kind of mindsets that they have when they come in. is like, I'm not buying a this, that, or the other thing. I'm buying that tractor, and I'm going to buy it today. You know what I mean? So there is, I think there's a huge marketplace for people that, that have that. And it's at auctions. It's not at not at the dealership. No. You know what I mean. Here, here's just... a prime example. Yesterday, I was talking with a gentleman in Iowa about trading tractors. Um, he was after, you know, your typical. Here's a here's a scenario. Six thousand hour thirty series tractor, ILS IVT. Nice rig, very nice rig, and. He shoots me. He shoots me an email and says, "Hey, what would it take? What's my tractor worth? Playing that game, you know?" So I said, and he says, "I got an 09 8230 with fifteen hundred hours." And instantly, I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, "You, you want to trade for this tractor that's the same age?" But well, I just I want to get into more power, cheap. So I told him. We had, to, we had this little discussion. I said, Here, here's the deal with this. I said, if I'm going to trade, I said, I probably am like straight across trade is my home run number in my mind, okay, for, for you to pull this off. I said, but that is not what you want to do. Um, I said, that, that tractor right there, I said, if you, if you were to trade with me, I promise you, you're leaving $30,000 on the table. And that's $30,000 and I, will, I, I can't get out of it. I right. can't begin to get that out of it, but you can. Right. It's your tractor, it's a one owner, you know, it was, a, it was an 09-8230, so it's almost 10 years old. He's putting the 1,500 hours on it. I'm like, you very well might get 125, 130 out of that. I can't even ask that on the lot, but you might, you might get that out of that tractor. I'm like you, I said, whether it's me, whether it's a dealer anywhere in North America, I said, do not trade that tractor. Yeah. You would be doing a huge disservice to your bottom line to trade that tractor. Yeah. You have a machine there. You can totally, totally maximize the profitability of by selling yourself or getting you know throwing it on a Sullivan auction with lots and lots of advertising and glamour and all that you know it's a it's a huge 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 opportunity that if it's a trade-in it's a trade-in and light money on fire right yep that's true I mean those guys will, will buy that stuff and it'll be out there and for whatever reason there's four classifications of machinery now i think you got the like retirement sale price you got the dealership retail price you got a wholesale number and an auction value a consignment auction value you know so it's 
it's a, it's a it's on uh, it just shows you that the late model good or not late model low hour well late model too but the low hour quality stuff is very 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 scarce right now right you know and guys are just scrambling to find whatever they can find and they're willing to play pay whatever they can get for it um and the majority of that stuff is coming off retirement sales um uh, farm sales those kind of things where if they get that late model low hour something or even just low hour something it could be an early model low hour something they're going to pay oh yeah you know just ungodly amounts of money for what it is so it just makes me i shake my head at it i don't i can't i can't get my arms wrapped around what what it is that they're doing because they're not they're not even getting any like you know it's not like that auction guys being like okay we're gonna do zero percent financing today so whatever you buy, you know, it's at zero percent. They're not doing that. There's no, right. there's no like incentive for them to go out and spend. I'm gonna offset what I'm paying for this machine with the, you know, with some low interest rate that I'm getting, where I'm gonna shave ten grand off the life of my note or something like that. And that's why I'm gonna pay ten grand more for it. Right. None of that logic is coming into play. It's I'm here to pay full retail plus ten, and I'm gonna pay you five and a half percent interest because that's how it is. You know, you know, that's just I don't I just can't get my head wrapped around. I don't I don't get what the what that caveat is, and why that's oh, why it's such a driving you know, factor right now. It's it's mindset. It is maybe a little monkey see monkey do. Right. A couple guys do it. It starts coming a trend, and there you go. Uh, anyway. Anyhow, what else has been going on in your world, man? Uh, just living the dream, buddy. Yeah. How's the, uh, how's the sheep business coming into the spring here? Sheep business is, is, it's, it's there. It's there? Are you, <laughs> are you, are you in full laming time right now? Uh, no, I am. I've got two out of three groups. One group wrapped up, the other group finishing up, and, uh, the other group won't be till summer, so. Right on. Time to, uh, hear another uh, hundred days or so, we'll stop hemorrhaging cash and have a little income on that deal. That's, that's already spent that's, due to a massive debt load. So, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aaron's the only guy in the world that I know that has a ten-acre sheep feedlot and uh, has about probably more equipment than a guy that's got an actual fifty thousand head. <laughs> Beef feedlot, you know what I mean? So. No, it's not that bad. Maybe, maybe like the three thousand head feedlot. There you go. Okay, I may have exaggerated a little bit there, folks. Sorry about that. But yeah. all in all, it's called machinery addiction and ties to the iron. That would be a very solid point, no doubt about that. Okay, man. Man, I think we beat this one to death. So, guys, want to find you on social media where they get you at? Uh, Aaron Fiddle on Facebook, um, at Aaron Fiddle on Twitter, and I'm on there quite a bit, um, in ag circles and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much the deal. Cell phone is, uh, 308-760-1193. If you want to just talk iron or work a deal, I'm, I'm there, man. Okay. Tractor geek extraordinaire. That and that is an understatement of the day, right there. <laughs> um, you can find me, Casey Seymour. Uh, you can find me at Moving On LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Uh, you can also find my website at movingironllc.com. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel, uh, Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel that I just launched here about a week or so ago. And you'll see the video version of this up here and ready to go. I post it on, on various social media as well. And uh, so all in all, folks, I feel like uh, really, really glad that we've got the uh, the audience that we've gotten so far and the response that we've had. So I appreciate everybody tuning in every week and and uh, spending a little time with, with me and Aaron and Gina here. So, um, so I think until next time, let's go move some iron. I'm Casey Seymour. All right, baby. Out.